Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. Vision first starts with pursuing God. Amen? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, vision. Oh, y'all got to wake up. Say, vision starts with pursuing God. And this is an understanding that we see all throughout Scripture. That when we pursue God, when we get his heart, he will give us direction. He will give us purpose. He will lead us. And so how do you know that what you do in life is given by God? Well, it's going to produce godly things. It's going to expand his kingdom. It's going to do exactly what the gospel says it will do. It's going to cause people that are sick in their body to be healed. It's going to cause people that are dead and bound to sin and going to hell have everlasting life and be free. Come on, it's going to be help those people that are bound by in, or spiritual attacks and by demons where you lay hands on them and cast them out. They're going to go. Amen? So we know that we have been given a mandate by God to preach the gospel, and through that there will be demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost within the ministry and the work that we do for him. Amen? Come on, it's not just about getting all the word of God within you and never using it. No, it's growing in knowledge and understanding, and then through wisdom that comes by the Holy Ghost, applying it in our life, and then also, just like Rich said, taking the faith that we have and having action that follows. Amen? You can know the whole word from front to back, every single little scripture. You can have the greatest theology degree in the world. But if you do not do the works that God has called us to do, it means nothing. Amen? You're not just supposed to be some monk cut up in a room all by yourself and just not ministering or preaching or doing any work that God has purposed us to do. No, we take what we have learned and then we apply it within our daily life, but also we preach it to every single one around us that has not yet heard. Amen? Awesome. Today, I want to continue on an idea that the vision that God calls us into will take the body of Christ occupying, say occupy, every area of this life on earth. We have been given the gospel to be found faithful and committed with it. And we must be the preachers of the gospel in every place we tread our foot upon. Come on. Look at your neighbor again and say, did you know you're a preacher? Yeah, you're a preacher. Nehemiah, verse 11, 1 through 3, and then I'll have you sit down. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem. And the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine of the ten remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly, say willingly, offered to live in Jerusalem. That's Nehemiah 11, verse 2. And it says, and the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word of God today, that it will produce... Knowledge, it will produce understanding. I think it will produce faith in every man and woman today. For anyone today that is not walking with you, I think maybe they have not given their life to you. Today, that they will hear the word of God, and as they hear the word, I think that faith inside of them will increase. It will rise, and I think that they will choose to serve you, that they will call upon you, and I think in doing so, they shall be saved. I think for those who are Christians, for those who are born again, I think today that they'll just grow in the grace and the measure 
measure of faith that has been given to them today in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and be seated. Now, again, the central idea is this, that God has given us a vision. We know that in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, that God, or that uh, the prophet was saying, write the vision down plainly so that people are able to run with it. We know that God has given us a vision as his church, speaking of the universal church, and that is to go and preach the gospel, like Mark 16 says, go and preach the gospel to every nation, to every creature. Come on, we lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We cast demons out. Come on, we get people born again, saved, set free. Amen? How many of you know that today you are part of a church that is living? You are part of a church that has momentum. You are part of a church, and I say it this way, and you've heard it said this way, I'm sure, by other preachers, but it's just a good way of saying it. We are not just on a cruise ship drinking pina coladas and sitting back and having casual Christianity. No, we are on a battleship, and we are preparing ourselves for war against the enemy. Everywhere we tread our foot upon, we are having victory. Everywhere we go, we are seeing that because of Jesus, Jesus has overcome, and we have overcome by his blood, and we have overcome by the testimony of what he's done in our life, well, then we are overcomers. We have victory, and we are not defeated. We are not victimized. We are not trying to bear and barely making it. No, we are strong in the Lord because if greater is he is who is in you than he that is in the world. Man, y'all are going to have to liven up a little bit. I'm like 100% at the moment, and you guys are like at five. It's fine. I'm just going to preach anyways to just the one person. It's fine. I'm preaching myself, amen? But listen, real quick, I want to encourage you. You're not part of a church that's dead. Amen. Nehemiah got vision from God, and when he gave him the vision, he brought it to the people. And the people knew that it came from God. How do we know that? Because their response was, let's build it. If it, wasn't, if it wouldn't have been from God, they would have said, you're crazy. There's been other people like you that have tried to come and gather the remnant and gather the people together. There's no way we're going to be able to build these walls. Do you, do you, have you looked at the walls? They're completely destroyed. Well, Nehemiah did go look at the walls before he spoke to the people, and all he saw was exactly what God gave him. He said, oh, I see the destruction, I see of the debris, but what I see is walls that are fortified, walls that are made by the people of Israel. By the people of Jerusalem. Come on. And so rather than looking at the natural aspect, he saw it in the spirit and said, you know what? We can build this. Let me take it to the people. The people said, we can build this. And what did they do? They built it. And then after they built the walls, what did they do next? Well, then they consecrated themselves. They got back to the law and walked after the obedience to God's word. And then they got into a place of repentance. They worshiped. They praised him. They got back into the, uh, the festivals and back to that place of atoning for sin. They got everything back and correct. And now they're in a place where they are sending people back into the city. There's walls. It's fortified. And now we need people to come back. We need people to infiltrate the city and to build the economy back up, to build the culture back up, to build upon what God has started. And this is very similar. So what did they do? They occupied the region of Jerusalem. And they said that they cast lots because not everybody wanted to go back because they were a little iffy if it was going to be okay to live there. They've been scattered for so many years. How easy would it be if an opposing force would come and destroy them again? They would be scattered again. 
There were some, though, that would willfully, willfully they went because they saw what had been built. They saw what Nehemiah and Ezra and Zerubbabel and all that was been done, and they said, you know what? We're going. Now it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a life of serving God. It's going to take a life of walking in obedience to God, but we will willingly go into this place. Others, they didn't want to go, so what do they do? They cast lots. And basically they said, well, you have to go because your family was picked. Right? How many want to be the ones that willingly do God's will for your life? Willingly. When the Bible says the willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land. See, the reality is that we today are occupying this region, our peninsula, for Jesus Christ. He has called you here. He has placed you here. Now, there are those in here today that will willingly give everything they have to it. Others, they will be skeptical. They will sit back and kind of wait. And they'll sometimes they'll wait until they die. They won't do anything. But my encouragement to you today is will you be part of the people that will willingly occupy this area? Will you occupy it? What do I mean by that? Well, go to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Now, the people that willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem, they, the Bible says they had a special blessing. They had a unique pioneering spirit. They had the ability to endure some measure of hardship, some discomfort. Oh, man, don't tell me that I'm going to have hardship and discomfort as a Christian. Oh, yeah. And see, some people just run at the side of discomfort. Some people just run at the side of hardship in life. And a lot of times the hardship and the discomfort that comes in our life is really us walking in the flesh and not walking in the spirit. If I can be honest, we always try to say, well, it's the enemy. No, I guarantee you that most of your issues is because you're walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. Come on. It ain't always Satan. You know, but there is a tax that comes from the enemy. And usually it's to those that are saying, you know what, I'm giving God all that I have. I'm walking in obedience. And you are literally being a voice for God. You're causing effect in a region. You're causing effect in your family. And Satan doesn't want you to do that, so he's going to attack you. He's going to come against you. He's going to oppose you. Just like Nehemiah, he was in obedience to God, submitted to his will. And when he did that, well, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem gave him a hard time the whole time he was building the wall. Right? It's the same within our life. We have to understand that God has called us to occupy this region. Luke 16, or 19, verse 11. And I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version. And it says, as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell them a parable. Because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. In verse 12, he said, he said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Verse 13, calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minus. Now, minus means about three months of wage or money's worth. Okay, it's about three months of money. And he said to them, engage in business until I come. Now, another translation says, occupy. Occupy till I come. Come on, say occupy. Now, what does occupy mean? What was he telling them? He was saying to do kingdom business. Engage in business while I'm away. Now, if we continue to read, it says this. 
do business or engage in business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. In verse 15, when he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. Now, if this doesn't translate to the judgment seat of Christ, then I want you to open your ears and open your eyes. This is exactly what we see will happen for the believer today. That God has called us to occupy right now in the region that we're in, in our life, within our family, within our work, within every part of us. And as we do so, we're honoring him, we're walking obedience to him, and we're doing everything as unto the Lord. But when you die, you will go into heaven and there will be called a judgment seat of Christ. Every single Christian will have to go there. And as you go there, it's not determining whether you go to hell or heaven. No, this is determining the work that you did for God. And whatever work you did, there will be rewards, or the Bible says, crowns. Amen? And one of the things we must understand, that God, or Jesus, is going to see how you lived your life through faithfulness and commitment to him on this world, or in this world. He said, I want to know what they have gained by doing business. I want to know what they have gained by occupying the Mornington Peninsula. Occupying the family I gave them. Occupying the gifts and the talents and the grace that I've given to them. See, today, every single one of you have been given gifts, talents. You've been given a grace. Go to Romans chapter 12 for a moment. Romans chapter 12. And just set some foundation real quick, and then we're going to go back into that, Luke 19. Verse 3 says, because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Verse 4, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Verse 6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts. Now, that word gifts is grace, charisma. It means grace, if you did not know. In the Greek, it means grace. And it says, so God has given us different graces for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out as much faith as God has given you. And it talks about the different gifts. Now, today, we understand that as a body, we all have grace or a grace to do God's will, to perform on the earth for God's behalf or on God's behalf. How many of you know that you all have a grace? You all have a gift. And do you know that it's not just about making more money? It's not about just getting a platform. It's not about just being seen and being heard. No, it's about bringing glory to God. It's about bringing glory to where glory is due, and that is to him, honor to him. See, as a church, we must understand that this is not about organized religion. It's not about a platform. It's not about a ministry. It's not about a preacher. It's not about a name on a billboard. No, it is about Jesus Christ. It is about God the Father. And we today have been given the church to amplify, to be the voice of God in a region and in an area. That's why you're here today, is to be a voice for God in the workplace, to occupy that area, to occupy within education, to occupy within every arena of life in this world. 
This is why the church is involved in politics. This is why the church is involved in academics. This is why the church is, and it has to be, a leading voice in every part of the world. See, and if your concept is, no, it should not, then you do not understand God and why he gave us the church. We are not supposed to be silent and sit back and just focus on us alone. No, we are supposed to influence every single aspect of life. And how can you do that when you're silent and you're just up in your little study group and not doing anything? See, God gave us his word. God gave us his spirit to be a voice for his kingdom. See, Nehemiah could have got the vision that God gave him and said, that's good. You're right. It needs to be done. But never do it. No, he took it and said, it has to be done. And see, I believe that God is wanting men and women within this church and with all around the world to rise up and to occupy areas based on the gifts and the graces that he has given you. What if the gift and grace that he's given to you is not just to make your own business and become a billionaire or a millionaire? What if it was for you to infiltrate that area or that marketplace specifically because he has anointed you for it and given you favor for it? See, we take a lot of things that God gives us and things, well, it's supposed to shape my future. It's supposed to shape my family. It's supposed to create for me a legacy, a name for myself. No. It's supposed to bring glory to him. Now, you may, in doing so, build an inheritance for your generations and generations. That's biblical. There's nothing wrong with that. You may be well-known in the areas of where you affect, and that's fine. But again, you and your humility and integrity to God know it's all about him. You always bring it back to the Lord. Now, I didn't do any of this. I just walked in obedience to him. I just served him. I got in that place of prayer and said, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do whatever you want me to. I am willingly and walking in obedience to you. I want to do it. See, what if the gift and the grace that God has given to you is not to prop you up, but to prop him up? And what does this mean for us? Well, that means that then there is a demand on how we grow in that grace, how we grow in that gifting. And the only way, let me help you, the only way you're going to grow in that grace and that gifting is by knowing the one that gave it to you, knowing God. If you don't know God, you won't understand the purpose of the grace and the gift that he's given to you. And just for the sake of understanding The grace and the gift is the same thing. It's a grace that's given to you to be able to do things that you never never could possibly do in your life. It comes by a special endowment. The Bible calls it unmerited favor. You didn't do anything to win it. He gave it to you. Even Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians that his grace is sufficient to help you in your time of weakness. See, there is a grace today. Come on, say there's a grace. So in Romans, he says, in his grace, God has given you different graces for doing certain things well. Have you ever noticed that you're better at things than some other things? Right. Some of you are probably really good at singing. Some of you probably don't sound good at all. You probably sound like a goat. Right. It's okay. God didn't call you to sing. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of you may be really well in handling money and financial things and having the heart of generosity better than others. That's okay. God's called you to those things. God's called you to fund the kingdom of God. 
See, there are areas within our life that God has given us. And if we grow in those things, meaning we steward it well, it all goes back to stewarding what God's given you. If you do not steward what God has given you, what you have and what you use it for will all be done in vain. If you just use it for self, well, all that work is vanity. It's amounting to nothing for God's kingdom. But what if we use what God has given to us for his kingdom? Well, he is going to get the glory. We are going to see, just like the Bible says, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered. They understood their roles. They understood the grace that God has given them. They understood what God purposed them to do. But who caused the increase? God did. What if today that the growth of his church, the growth of his body is not by how we try to make something grow by entertaining people, by becoming relevant, by compromising the word? What if it's just by just being faithful with God has given us, using it for his glory, growing in it, developing it, and ultimately just using it for him? And through that faithfulness, through that commitment, through that self-control, that steadfastness, that patience, that enduring, God just brings increase in harvest. See, there are seasons for you probably right now that you are in where it is a growing season. You need to grow. And the reason why you are not seeing the benefits of God's promise in your life is because you are still trying to reap of a harvest where you have not yet sown, where you have not yet labored or toiled for. You can't expect just to receive something because you're a good person. No. You know that you've been faithful with the little. You know you've been faithful with what little God has given you. Now go back to Luke 19. Let's show you that. Luke 19. And this is what he said in verse 14. Or actually, verse 15. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what the profits were. Verse 16, the first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Wow. Now, this is different than the story in Matthew 25. Okay, this is a little different. In verse 17, it says, well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little. I entrusted to you, so you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. Another translation, which you probably have heard, it says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in very little. Now you have authority over ten cities. Notice what happens when you are faithful and committed to God with what he gives you. My question to you today, are you being faithful and committed to God with what he's given to you? Are you being faithful and committed? When it comes to faithfulness and commitment, here are some scriptures for you that the Bible speaks to us about. In Proverbs 28, 20, it says, a faithful man will abound with blessing, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. The Bible says it this way as well. Commit your way to the Lord. This is Psalms 37, 5. Trust in him and he will act. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Are you being faithful and committed with what God has given you today? See, we know Nehemiah was. 
And we know that because of his faithfulness and commitment and how he was entrusted with vision, he took care of it, and God set that city up. God brought people back because of the obedience and the commitment of Nehemiah building the wall. Because of the obedience of Ezra and Zerubbabel doing the work. Now listen, it says, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little. You shall have authority over ten cities. Verse 18, and the second came saying, Lord, your mina has five minas or minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. Verse 20, then another came saying, Lord, here is what you've given me, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. Notice this. This person handled it a lot different than the other two. Let's not be like this person. Amen? Let's learn from this. But the third servant brought back the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and I kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. Notice the response. You wicked servant, the king roared, your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvest crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then turning to the other standing nearby, the king ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. But the master, or but master they said, he already has 10 pounds. Let's pray that we begin to understand who God is. Because some people would call this unfair, unjust. But we know that we serve a just God and a fair God. See, we have allowed the world's ways and the world's views of what fairness and equality to look like be complete opposite of what God calls equal. Notice how you serve God is going to determine what more he gives you. And you could be there jealous and comparing yourself with every single person saying, I don't understand why they have that and I don't have that. How could God's given that and I don't got it? What if the answer is you're not being faithful with the little that you have right now? And even the attitude that you have towards those people and towards yourself is exactly the reason why God hasn't given it to you yet. Because you're not walking upright. You're not walking holy before the Lord. You're not walking in godly character. You're not walking in the spirit which produces godly character. Because the Bible even says that one of the fruit of the Spirit is what? Faith or faithfulness. Being faithful with what God has given you. See, instead of comparing and being critical to every single person and being negative, why don't you focus on your own personal life, analyze and evaluate your own heart and say, God, what am I doing with the gift or the grace that you've given me? Am I being faithful with it? And if you're not, then change Begin to make, I'll say it this way, begin to discipline yourself. Because that's really what the issue is. You don't walk in discipline. You walk in a lack of it. You don't walk in reverence before God. How do you view God right now? Do you justify the way you live and say, well, God loves me. I can do whatever I want. You don't love him then. Because if you truly loved him, you would have a desire and strive to get into that place of obedience. You would forsake all forms of sin. Come on, there's one way of, we call it habitual sin. 
What if the habitual sin that you're walking in and living in for so long is because you haven't forsaken it, you still like it? You got to hate it. But if you're still doing the same things that you did 10 years ago, let me help you. Maybe it's a discipline thing. You need to change what you're doing. If you're still walking in gossip today, if you're still talking about people, if you still see people a particular way because you think of yourself so much highly and so much better, let me help you today. God will oppose you. He will oppose you. The Bible says it in James chapter 5. He, he will oppose you. He'll give you grace if you walk in humility. If you oppose him or if, you, if you're proud, you got the pride of life in you, oh, he'll oppose you. Today, one of the things that we get to do is we get to be like the first two, not like the third. Notice what happens. He says, they already ha- he already has 10 pounds in verse 26. Yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even with what little they have, they will be taken away. Another translation says it this way. For I say unto you that unto everyone which half shall be given, and from him hath not, and he that hath shall be taken away from him. Look at that. We're talking about occupying every area with the grace and the gifts that God has given us. And, it's by, and by doing so, we are being faithful with what you have right now. Think about what you have right now. Nehemiah was called to do something huge. And I guarantee you, and we know that through studying and through looking, that he wasn't qualified for it. He was a cupbearer. He didn't understand all the intricacies that it took to build something. But through prayer and fasting and through God leading him and through the favor that he had with the king, he was able to do everything that God called him to do. See, God is not looking for perfectionism. God is not looking for you to be qualified in an area. God is looking for the person that will walk in humility and obedience and saying, God, I'll do whatever you called me to do. I will be the willing one. I will be the obedient one. And I will be faithful with what I have right now. Think about it. What do you have right now where you can be faithful with? What is it? Maybe it's being faithful to your wife, being faithful to your husband. Maybe it's being faithful to your children. Being faithful to the house of God and to the things of God. Maybe it's being faithful to a prayer life every single day and a time of study every day. See, some people want the microphone and a pulpit, but they won't even pray or spend time to know God. And then they'll get a position where they're not even, shouldn't even be up there. The reality is if you desire position, if you desire status, well, you're already on a wrong trajectory of your life. Because the reality is, in order to become something, you must become nothing. You must be a servant. Because the only one who is something is him. Nehemiah understood this. He wasn't able to do what God called him to do by only relying on self. No, he was relying on him. Jesus understood this. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said... I would like for this cup to pass. I would love to be here still, but I know the purpose you called me to be here, so not my will, but your will be done. Think about if Jesus took a different approach. 
He said, no, I'm going to stay here and just walk in. Now, look, we know that he never would. Again, that's a hypothetical, and it really probably doesn't add any great substance to what we're preaching about right now. Right now in your own personal life, what is hindering you from being faithful? This person saw that the king or the master was tough. So their excuse was, I'm going to walk in disobedience. They thought they were justified because of the wrath or the harshness of this master. In all reality, they were not. They should have understood that and still been faithful with what was given to them. See, for us today, we must understand that God has given us vision. God has given his his purpose and his will to us to fulfill in this life. Not later on when you're dead. No, right now. Some of you are 70 years old. You say, my life's done. I'm I'm tired. What if your life's just beginning for the next 20 years? Why not? Why do we allow the world's ways to get and infiltrate within the church? I mean, I know people that were in their 50s and the 60s just started out in ministry. What if you there at 25 years old, 21 years old, God is saying, walk in obedience to me. Walk in willingness to do my will. Stop choosing things over me. Stop tracing yourself or going back and defaulting yourself back to, well, I'm just immature. I'm a kid. Give me time to grow. No, that's an excuse. What if you took it upon yourself, I'm going to grow and do as much as I can right now. I know I can be obedient. Come on, can everybody be obedient? Of course we can. What does it take? A willing heart. A willing heart. What would happen when a church and a body, a group of people, walk in obedience to God? What would happen if we would occupy this land? One of the things that God has given us about vision is that we're going to occupy schools. Now, that's, I'm going to be honest, it's in its infancy stage. Right now, in the natural, I can't even see it. I know nothing about schools, nothing about academics. But I know what God's called us to do. So what do we do when we don't know anything about how we should do it or what, how it's going to work? We trust in God and just be faithful right now with what we have. We pray. We press forward. Why do you think this whole year God has given us a word of harvest? God has given us a word of laborers coming to reap up the harvest. Speaking of you and others. Why? Because there are things that God, as we walk in obedience and willingness to him, he's going to show us and give us to do. What if the first step right now is just saying, I'll walk in obedience to you. I'll walk in willingness to do it. I'm willing to do it. Maybe the reason why he hasn't shown us every single little thing yet and detailed it out is because there's still people that are not yet willingly to do it. They're okay with just being casual. And I'm going to make a statement, and I hear it from my heart, and I'm preaching to those that have been serving God for many years. You ready? Now, if you're new to church today, you've never been in church, this isn't to you. These are to the men and women of this house or people that are just visiting, that have been serving God for many years. How much longer are you going to waste your time on things that mean nothing?
How much longer? You only got a short life. For some of you, you're already older in age. What if you could do more right now in the next 10 years of your life than you did in the first 50? This is why I've been so adamant about getting people born again. And I know for many that's been a challenge. But I'll say it this way and I'll say it for the rest of my life. Getting people saved is Christianity 101, basic Christianity. It's basic. And if you don't see that, let me help you. That's how the church started. It was through the message of pre- the, the preaching of the gospel. 3,000 repeat or preach and they got born again. You're a preacher. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, how can someone be saved unless there is a preacher that is sent? How can they hear if there isn't someone sent to preach? How can your family hear? How can your friends hear? How can this region hear if we don't occupy everything in life? You know, we talk about, oh, man, the directions of the schools and direction of a culture and where the world is going is terrible. What are we doing to affect it, though? You can talk about it. Oh, it's really bad, but somebody else needs to do something. We're just going to pray that God will do something. Guess what? God ain't going to do nothing unless you do it. God works through you. He's given you dominion and authority on the land. And God's power flows through you. He's done his part. He's given you his grace. He's given you his spirit. He's given you his word. He's given you his church. You have every single possible thing that you have need of right now in this life to overcome and live a victorious life, to be able to do his will and purpose on the life, in your life today. You have everything. You're not missing out on anything. You just haven't received it by faith yet. You haven't begun to walk it out in faith yet. You haven't begun to apply it yet. But let's start today. Let's start right now. Let's be faithful and committed right now with what God has given us. I'm done with this right here. I've heard in the past few months that sometimes when I preach, my messages are hard to hear. That is very challenging. And one of the things that I pray to God, I analyze my own heart, and I make sure that I'm not preaching at you, but I'm preaching from a place of love. Because my ultimate goal is to see you grow and develop, and we just take this region by force. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, And so don't mistake passion and conviction for anger and just trying to be uh, cause issues in your life, just trying to yell at you and get mad at you. No, I love you dearly. But I don't want to be a casual Christian, and nor do I want you to be a casual Christian. I'm over casual Christianity. It's been like that for many years, and this is why we are in a decline. But we got to raise up. If we want to see things change in our world, well, we're going to have to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We're going to have to be involved. We're going to have to be engaged. You're going to have to use the graces and the gifts that you have in every area. And I'm not going to preach some watered-down word. I'm just not going to. And I don't do it for an amen or for a, yeah, come on. No, I'm doing it so that hopefully within your heart, within your life, you make a decision that you're going all the way to follow Christ. All the way. Come on, stand to your feet. 
The Bible says it like this in my last scripture, 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize, so that you run that you may obtain it? Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I'm not boxing as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Come on, we got a focus. Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, we're looking unto him. We're not just one to shadow boxing, just beating helplessly in the air with no direction, running like chickens with their head cut off. No, we have vision. We're building his kingdom. We're believing in Jesus. We're belonging to his church. We're becoming like him. We have direction. And the prize that we receive is not natural, but it's spiritual. It's not something that will perish, but it's something that is imperishable. It's something that as we live and be faithful and committed to God, where you go to the judgment seat of Christ, he says, well done, thou good and faithful service. servant. Come on in. Here's your crown. But I discipline my body so I don't become disqualified. And notice your actions and the way you live can really cause you to be disqualified to preach the gospel. But at the same time, as you overcome those issues, have you overcome the hardships of life? It makes you qualified to be able to preach the gospel. Because the gospel is there given to you to help you overcome and to save you. So my encouragement to you today is don't rely on self and flesh. Rely on the spirit. Rely on his word. Trust in God. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.